Hey friends, you're listening to episode 180, where we're chatting all about the signs of anxiety beyond panic attacks, triggers of anxiety, forcing yourself to say things you don't believe, how to choose to eat anything you want, and so, so much more. Our guest today is Rebecca Scorch. She is the founder of Eat Happy, an approach that helps women get the body and life they want without dieting. She has just released her book, The Mindset Reset, which says that eating starts in your head, not on your plate. And I couldn't agree more with Rebecca on that. After finding peace with food after years of disordered eating, Rebecca now shares her practical approach to enjoying food and her life over on her blog and Instagram account at eathappy.coach. So, If you have questions about today's content uh, or something inspires you and you want me to cover something on a future podcast episode, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. You can also catch up on previous podcast episodes, including the resources for today's show by going to ketodietpodcast.com. And my book tour starts in two days. Oh my gosh. If you haven't RSVP'd for one of the US or Canadian stops, head on over to ketodietbook.com slash tour. See if I'm going to your city. RSVP. Tell your friends. I can't wait to meet you. And there are also two days until our Keto for Women giveaway closes. All you got to do to enter to win a $1,000 Amazon gift card is use the hashtag Keto for Women on social by sharing a picture of yourself, the book, whatever you'd like. You're instantly entered to win. Now you can post that on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And every time you use the hashtag Keto for Women until August 20th, I'm donating 25 cents to upwithwomen.org. So on August 21st, I'm going to add up all the hashtag Keto for Women postings since June. And then I'm going to donate all the monies to Up With Women. So I'm pretty excited about that. And that's all I have to share with you before we cut over to today's episode. Again, I hope I get to see you at the book tour. Go to ketodietbook.com slash tour. I'm all packed up, ready to roll. And let's do today's episode. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women so you can burn fat, balance your hormones and heal your body. Starting and maintaining keto can be challenging without the right support. So just for listening to the podcast, I want to give you 20% off the keto beginning with the coupon code keto podcast. That's all one word. This 30 day program gives you a clear step by step how to so you can quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles and get the results you crave. Go to healthfulpursuit.com slash begin to get your keto beginning discount today. If you're new around these parts, I'm Leanne Vogel. You may know me as the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, founder of HappyKetoBody.com, or maybe you know me as the nutritionist that likes dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I am good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Yeah, thanks for being here. It's so perfect. I'm really excited about our chat today. And before we really dig into it, I want to ask you, what does keto mean to you? Well, I would say it means hope. I think it gives a lot of people a hopeful path out of some issues that they might be having with a physical thing. But for me, it really gives me hope in terms of my mental health, because as I'm sure we're going to get into in a bit, uh, last year I discovered I had anxiety and it was a type of anxiety called depersonalization. 
And keto, which I've only been doing recently, so I haven't been doing it for that long, but already I've noticed a huge difference. So it's definitely given me a lot of hope that it's really going to help with my anxiety. What I really like about it as well is the science behind it. It's black and white. It's simple. It's not like, you know, like a diet you'd find in a magazine or something where it's just based on arbitrary numbers, where you've got that kind of underlying message of shame that you should look a certain way. It's, that's nothing to do with keto. Keto is just what it is. It's scientifically based on your body's ability to burn fat and that's it. And you can do with that what you will. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. My husband always says that he likes keto more than paleo because there's actual science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing that's all the time. <laughs> yeah. And you can't argue with that. So it's not like it's based on shame. You just do with that what you yeah. need to do. Totally. So tell us more about anxiety because I think a lot of people think there's just one anxiety. Like you have anxiety and that's anxiety. But can you tell us a little bit more about your experience with anxiety? Yeah. So I actually, I don't know how I thought this, but I never thought I would have anxiety because the sort of anxiety I saw with people would be panic attacks and racing thoughts and maybe a little bit of social anxiety, not wanting to leave the house. But I didn't have any of that, which is why it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. So what my depersonalization looked like is extremely foggy thinking. It's like living behind a waterfall. So you can see life is happening around you, but you can't quite connect to it, which for me was not pleasant was well, not pleasant anyway but I like to meditate I always used to feel very connected and quite present so to be disconnected was not pleasant at all it took me a little bit of time to figure out that's what I had because to start with I thought it was simply something physical because I felt so foggy in my thinking I actually thought it was my eyes and I got glasses and then I finally clicked that it was a sort of anxiety and yeah, so that's how I discovered keto, because actually I saw some of your YouTube videos quite a few years ago, not that many, but three years ago. But I don't think back then I was quite ready to change to a high fat life. But I think you planted the seed. <laughs> it was oh, there, squirreled cool. away in the back I of my mind. I didn't know that. That's so cool. Yeah, because I started to kind of research this depersonalization and I watched some YouTube videos of this guy who had it and he said you have to really control your blood sugar because once you have that stable, your moods become stable and then you feel so much more calm when your blood sugar is stable. And I thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I have been vegetarian, well, I had been vegetarian <laughs> for about 25 years, but recently I have started eating meat again. And that was a bit of a journey as well. But um, a few years ago, my grandmother passed away from Alzheimer's on the week that she passed away, I actually was booked into a lecture on dementia and nutrition. And the lecturer there really pressed the point of like fish oil. And I thought, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time I start to eat fish. So I started eating fish a few years ago. So I think I was that step closer to maybe thinking that meat might help. Um, I thought it would be a fair exper experiment for me to try to eat meat to see if that actually would make a, a difference to how I felt, you know, because I thought... What I felt like was, if you imagine any sort of shape and it's totally disconnected and I had this intention that I wanted to put it all back together again. And in the spirit of trying new things, I thought, well, let's try and eat some meat. Let's try this keto way of eating and see if I can make that feeling whole and connected once again. But one of the first things I noticed before any shift in how I was feeling mentally was the physical changes. So absolutely from the start, I think my body 
totally agreed with it. Um, I've had IBS for, for years and that just cleared up straight away. And I think you've probably talked about quite a lot on your podcasts about gut health. And I think that was a big player in maybe settling the gut issues, maybe eventually finally settled uh, how I felt in my mind. So yeah, touch wood, I'm feeling pretty good. I would say that the depersonalization has pretty much gone. I've been experimenting with my eating recently. I would say last few weeks, maybe I've gone more low carb just to see what I can eat, how it feels. And my foggy thinking came back a little bit. So it's just, I'm in the process of trying different things all the time, you know? I love that your story includes, you know, steps. And I think a lot of people get so overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, I have anxiety. I have to do all of these things all at once. And it sounds to me like your experience was, you know, I... I went to a lecture. They talked about fish oil. I incorporated fish. I saw how that went. Then I incorporated this and I saw how that went. It's not necessarily like I took all of these things, went to the grocery store and on Monday I was feeling better and life was good. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe that's how it will be sustainable for me is that it was a little bit at a time just to see how I feel because I think that's really important, isn't it? You have to check in with yourself to see how you feel. Back to today's episode in a sec. Get a healthy dose of fat with F-Bomb Nut Butter Packets filled with high-quality fats. Each single-serve packet is keto-friendly, no-sugar, non-GMO, gluten-free, dairy-free, peanut-free, and vegan. And they won't blow up in your purse like the other packets that we've all tried. Just pure fats in an easy-tear packet. Listeners of the podcast get this exclusive epic deal that you won't want to miss. Buy any two 10-packs of F-Bomb Nut Butter Packets and get a free 10-pack of F-Bomb premium oil of your choice. Go to healthfulpursuit.com slash F-Bomb and use the code LeannFree, that's L-E-A-N-N-E-F-R-E-E, all in caps, no spaces, to choose two nut butters, then get a free 10-pack of oil. Choose from MCT, olive, avocado, coconut, or macadamia nut oil. You'll love the convenience of taking healthful oils with you on the go. No more inflammatory oils on your takeout salads or warm meals. Just rip into one of the oil packets and away you go. Again, that's healthfulpursuit.com slash F-bomb and use the code Leanne free. Okay, back to today's episode. And so you mentioned physical changes, but what was it like for you when you started incorporating more meat and going more keto? And how long did it take until you started to feel like those pieces were really coming together when it came to like the, the brain aspect? Yeah, I would say maybe, maybe around six weeks. It's hard to tell because everything was quite subtle. Whereas, you know, if you're weighing yourself, for example, which I don't have a weighing skill, but you can see quite clearly the changes. But mentally, it's not so clear cut. It's not always so obvious when things have changed. I think, in fact, it's only maybe recently when maybe I've not so keto in the last couple of weeks, I've noticed that my foggy thinking has come back. So it obviously did make a difference. But when? I'm not exactly sure. But I would say at least a month, maybe around that time. Perhaps I wasn't completely eating ketogenically right at the start you know maybe it took a little bit of time for that to find its place with me but what I noticed was when I'd wake up in the morning I didn't have racing thoughts 
because what, what like the depersonalization used to make me feel was that when I was to drive to work, I had to actually check to see if I was wearing clothes because I felt so disconnected. I didn't even, <laughs> it was like I, I wasn't sure if I was wearing the clothes that I was wearing. I know that sounds really weird, but you feel a little bit robotic. Like, did I go through the actions of putting clothes on this morning? And all that seemed to well, go away, basically. I did do other things as well, like did a lot more exercise. I couldn't actually meditate in the middle of this anxiety because I found it really hard to be present. So I thought, let's just stop that because I'm just forcing myself to do something that I don't think I can do right now. But now I'm back meditating again, which feels really good for me. I took some supplements, you know, some microbiome support, ashwagandha, some mushroom capsules and things like that, just to support the whole thing, you know? Completely. And I mean, you share so openly with all of your experience, you know, it's sometimes hard to ask people, what happened then? And how were you feeling? And a lot of people would feel shame around the fact that they didn't know if they were wearing clothes. Like, and especially when it comes to brain health, I think that there's a lot of stigma around it. Like my, my grandpa had Alzheimer's as well. And there was a lot of like secrets or people didn't want to talk about how bad it had actually gotten with his brain, but then you'd see him and he wouldn't remember who his grandkids were, who his kids were. And it's like, guys, like this is a problem. And I knew at, you know, 10 years old that we probably needed to do something about this. And so how are you able to share so openly? Do you have like, now that you're kind of on the other side of things and you're learning how to heal your body, do you have a calling to help others or why are you so open with your story? Yeah. Well, I think I follow a lot of people on social media and really I feel like that stigma is being broken. There's a lot more awareness about mental health issues and I think that's just fantastic. But I have to say I wasn't always so open at the very beginning. I did feel a little bit of shame that, you know, because I always thought I would never get anxiety, but it's just like saying I'm never going to get a cold. You don't know what your mental health is going to do. So there's no point at all in feeling shame about it. And a few people on Instagram that I follow really opened up about how they were feeling. And I thought, well, if they can do it, why can't I? And I had a really lovely response when I shared that I had depersonalization on my Instagram stories. And yeah, that makes you feel a lot more supported. So it's nothing to feel ashamed about, really, because so many people have gone through anxiety. And I think it's just on the rise. You see it more and more and more. So the chances are, if you're feeling like that, if you're feeling a little bit of pressure to go out and socialize and you're not feeling it, the chances are a lot of people are feeling exactly the same way as you. So you're not alone, basically. Mm, Yeah, beautifully said. I hope you're totally digging this episode. I love putting these together every week and I hope you're getting something out of it. I love seeing where you're listening from. So next time you're listening or even right now, take a picture of yourself watching the show or a screenshot of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram at Healthful Pursuit. And if social isn't your thing, that's totally fine. Just jump on your favorite podcast player and leave a review for the show. Okay, back to the good stuff. When you were in your, like, when all the, I I love this analogy, when all the pieces of the shape are all over the place, how did that affect, you know, we're talking about mind and things like that, but how did that affect the way that you fed your body? Like how, how did you make food choices? Were you making food choices? Did it affect your overall diet? Yeah, that's a good question because in the midst of everything, I probably wasn't making very healthful choices because I felt disconnected. So it was really hard to to really listen to myself. So maybe I wasn't making choices that felt good physically, but 
based on my history with eating, I have kind of developed over time quite a good skill set on listening to myself. So even though maybe I wasn't 100% listening to how my body was responding to the foods I was eating, it didn't take too long for me to listen once again, because that's what I'm so used to doing. Because a big part of my story is that when I was in university, I think you might call it college, I had a terrible relationship with food, really, really bad. I would just fret and worry over every single thing that I would eat. I'd be very concerned about how I would look. And it took a long time to figure all of that out. But eventually I realized, you know, with a lot of work on my mindset, because that's where I really like to kind of dig in on, on my thinking and my awareness. With all that work that I put in, eventually I started to feel really good about my eating. But that didn't come just by chance. I really worked on that. And the skills that I learned, I think they really helped me in the middle of my depersonalization because I had those skills there to kind of check in with myself to see how I was really feeling. So I don't think then it took too big a leap to change my eating. That's really cool. And something um, that's such a great tool. And what I want people to hear in that is by being intuitive with yourself at all times, it's not just for the present moment, but it's also for the future moment. So that when things come up, you have a better handle on things or, or you know yourself a lot more than if you're hit by a diagnosis or something happens and there's a change and you're not grounded in yourself. It can be really hard to manage that if you don't know yourself. Would you say that that's fair? Yeah, that's very true. I really like that sentence that you said about feeling grounded in yourself. That is such a lovely image to have and that I think is really helpful. And that takes a bit of time to feel even that you want to be grounded in yourself because I think so many of us don't really accept who we are. And if you don't accept who you are, then you're not going to want to connect with yourself. You're not want, you, don't, you wouldn't want to feel grounded in who you are because you're rejecting yourself. So it takes a bit of time. But one thing I really teach because I run, you know, like a coaching service based on helping people find peace with food. And a huge part of that is self-acceptance. That takes a lot of work, but it's not impossible because I'm not asking people to love themselves even even though we might hear that message quite often, it's not really about, yeah, it's not really about even liking yourself sometimes, you know, you, you don't have to like yourself all the time, but you do have to accept yourself every day, no matter what you're like. And if you're willing to do that, then it's so much easier to ground yourself in who you are. And if you can do that, then you will take care of yourself. I'm so happy that you define that because when you have the goal of loving yourself, I'll tell you right now, it becomes very challenging and super frustrating because it just it's too lofty of a goal. It's just too challenging. And it, it's not necessary. It's not necessary at all. I think it's, it's very much like the relationship I have with my closest friend or, you know, my husband, I love him. There's times where I don't love, love him, you know, but I accept him for who he is. He frustrates me. And there's times like, I'm just like, dude, what? But at the end of the day, I respect him. And I accept who he is. And I think that that, you know, thinking of the person that you love most in this world and mirroring that relationship that you have with them for yourself, that was really helpful for me in understanding, you know, I don't love this person all the time. Sometimes they drive me nuts. But at the end of the day, I would never swear at them. I would never yell at them because I love them. Is that kind of a fair... Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Because, yeah, we're probably so much more accepting of 
other people in our lives, even sometimes people that we don't even like that much, we seem to accept them so much easier, you know, but when it comes to ourselves, we can have that negative voice inside us that is just so, ugh, so draining. Yeah. Okay. So looking back before symptoms started coming up, do you ever think of maybe like what happened to trigger this? Like, is it, is it, I'm not, I'm not familiar with anxiety of whether or not it's like a trigger where anxiety starts, but looking back, are there things that you know now that maybe you would change if you could go back or? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure to be honest with you. Actually looking way back, I think I've always been prone to anxiety. I just never really realized the depersonalization thing. However, I did go through a little bit of stress and I think that might have been a bit of a a trigger. And really what depersonalization and even anxiety is, it's like your brain's safety mechanism. It doesn't want you out in the world where you're feeling a little bit raw. So it'll pull you in try and look after you so it was it's really a nice thing that your mind is trying to do for you trying to you know protect you from all that stuff out there so I guess it was a little bit of stress that I went through a couple of years ago nothing major but perhaps it didn't take that much for me to get disconnected because I reckon that I've always been a little bit anxious without realizing it that's a whole other (laughs) issue I mean that could be for so many reasons you know some childhood stuff, who knows, you know, I think it's hard to kind of pinpoint that exact thing that might have made me uh, more of an anxious person, but maybe I'm just a sensitive soul. <laughs> yeah, I think the the highly sensitive person, I don't know if you've read that book. Yeah. Uh, oh, it is so good. Yeah. And ever since I was little, I would have like panic attacks when I didn't know what was happening next. And my mom would have to put together a calendar for the day and draw little pictures and show me going to different places so that I understood where I would be at what time. And I hated change. And so as an adult, you know, now I try to push that boundary of like, let's sell our house. Let's live in an RV to try to push that and and get over it. And I find you know, with baby steps toward that, I've become much better at at just running with it. So I think I agree with you. It's like, you don't really know what the trigger is. But thinking back, I've always been quite an anxious person. But if anyone listening is like, highly sensitive person, yeah, like loud noises and lots of people and just lots of stuff going on. I'm like, well, I can't. So it's cool that you read that book because that book was very good. <laughs> yeah, definitely the thing with the noise. It's like if someone's talking to me and they've got music on in the background, I, I can't listen to what they're saying until they turn it down and then I can pay my full attention to them, you know? Yeah, totally. Back to today's episode in a sec. ButcherBox features 100% grass-fed and finished heritage-bred pork and organic free-range chicken. ButcherBox sends you high-quality, health-promoting meats directly to your door on dry ice and free shipping anywhere in the lower 48. ButcherBox makes committing to quality protein sources less expensive and more available to everyone. Their prices are hard to beat, and it's challenging to find a higher quality product anywhere in the USA. I've been using ButcherBox for years and love the convenience of a package showing up just when I need it, and their ground sausage is an absolute dream. 
ButcherBox has put together a super special deal for all listeners of the show. Order your first box and get a special gift plus an additional $20 off. Now, this special gift is so epic that I can't even mention it on the episode today. So you'll have to go to butcherbox.com slash keto diet to check out the deal plus get your $20 off your very first order. Again, that's butcherbox.com slash keto diet to check out the deal plus get $20 off your first order. If you're unsure of the link, simply check out today's show notes for all the details. Okay, back to today's episode. So if somebody is listening right now and wants to start healing today, and maybe a lot of the things that we're saying, they're like, that's me. What's like maybe an affirmation or something that they can use to kind of balance themselves out in the moment? Do you mean in terms of feeling a little bit anxious? Yeah, like if you're feeling a little bit anxious on a daily basis. Yeah, I think this is one thing I'm really realizing a lot recently is that sometimes you have to say things to yourself even if you don't believe them (laughs) even if you argue against it sometimes you have to force yourself to say things such as everything's going to be okay even if another bigger part of you is going oh my god it's going to be terrible i'm really struggling right now everything's going to go down the drain you have to somehow dig out that little voice that just says everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Because you know what? Everything is cyclical. So after every winter, there's a spring. After every night, there's a morning. So things always come around and things always change. And I think sometimes when you're in a little bit of a negative loop, you forget that it's not always going to be that way. So always remember that that feeling of feeling a little bit anxious, that can come and go. It'll come in different degrees. Just, yeah, sometimes you've got to force yourself to say, it's going to be okay. And the more, like you with the boundary thing, you know, pushing, the more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes to do that. Yes, totally. Okay, that's beautiful. Okay, let's chat about the mindset reset. What is this? Yeah, so the mindset reset is a little ebook that I've written and it's released now. And it's just a three day guide to help people approach food in a balanced way so that they feel much happier with their eating. So this is from my kind of coaching work that I do. So it's called Eat Happy, my coaching service. And the Mindset Reset is a guide that can really help people come to food in a different way. So I'm not a nutritionist. So for me, it's not really about what people are eating. It's more how they are eating. And I don't mean a fork or chopsticks or whatever. I mean how they are approaching that food what's that relationship to that food like? What are they thinking as they're eating it? It's basically using your mindset and starting there to find peace with food. So I think that food itself is very important and you can absolutely make a huge mental change, like I've proven really, just by changing your food. But you don't have to start there. You can start with mindset without changing your eating is what I believe. And that's where I coach a lot of people. So the mindset reset is three days and it starts with day one, acceptance. So we learn lots of tools and skills about learning to accept yourself. And as you mentioned earlier, affirmations. Affirmations play a huge role in self-acceptance because like I said, sometimes you've got to say things to yourself, even if you don't believe them. But I really repeated a lot of affirmations to myself over the over time and they work they reprogram that little negative gremlin voice inside until all of a sudden you say some nice things to yourself a big part of learning to accept yourself is actually having a bit of awareness as well because it's very hard to accept something you're not aware of so I like mindfulness I teach a lot of mindfulness skills as well in the mindset reset then the second day is about choice so for me choice is vital so many times people feel like they have to do things 
I have to eat this. I can't eat that. I have to go to work. The truth is you don't have to do anything. You always choose to do the things that you do. And if you don't own that choice, then you become powerless. So with food, I say, I don't know if you agree, but I say that people can actually eat whatever they want, as long as they're choosing the outcome that they know the food's going to produce. So I have the choice of eating bread right now if I want to. If I want to eat it, I can choose to eat it. But I know if I did that, I would feel bloated. And maybe that foggy thinking would come back because that's what bread does to me. But I'm still allowed to eat it. There's no shoulds, there's no should nots. It's just choice. And when I'm an adult and I can choose the outcome of that choice, then basically what I'm teaching myself is I can trust myself. If you can trust yourself, you're good to go. You can go off into the world and you can handle it. And sometimes going off into the world is quite a big thing, but sometimes it can start with your relationship to food. If you can heal that feeling that you don't trust yourself and then turn that around until you actually feel quite secure, like we were talking about earlier, feeling quite grounded, then you can go off into the world. And yeah, so trust comes from learning to choose. Choose anything you want to eat. Just choose and see what you feel like afterwards. And if you, and then you can choose the outcome of that as well. And the third day for the mindset reset then is about freedom. And that kind of ties in with that choice aspect in that you are really, truly free to eat whatever you want in any quantity that you want. I think a lot of people would be going, oh my gosh, are you serious? I can't do that. If I ate all of that food, I'd be huge. I'd be massive. I wouldn't want to do that. It would be really bad for me. But you're allowed to do it if you want to do it. It's, I think so often we're... Um, so focused on the outcome of things rather than the process. So somebody might see eating a lot of food and that's all they can imagine is the outcome of that, that they'd gain a lot of weight and that would be a terrible thing. But it's the process of eating it with your eyes wide open and really being willing to accept what you're eating. You will kind of get tied in into the process of it and you won't worry about the outcome. And that's really important because what we've learned time and time and time again with the dieting culture is just to concentrate on the outcome without focusing mm -hmm. on the process. So just eat what you want in any quantity that you want. Learn to trust yourself and food doesn't become this scary, dangerous thing. Because once you do that, once you think that food, all food is off limits, sorry, certain foods is off limits, you make it a dangerous thing. And as soon as you do that, your brain is on high alert for that food and you'll only be able to think about it. <laughs> because it's become dangerous. So of course our brains want to protect us. So if you make it dangerous and scary, we'll only think about it. So as long as you can accept that all food is there for you to eat, it's not so scary anymore. And you kind of relax around food a lot more and then you can just rely on your choice. I agree with everything you just said. And to your last point of, you know, if you restrict chocolate, all you think about is chocolate, all you see is chocolate. It's very similar to like, if a girlfriend says that they think that they might be pregnant, all of a sudden you start seeing all these pregnant women everywhere and you're like, is this yeah. a sign? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. It, yeah. We were there the whole time. It's just, that's what you're holding in your subconscious. That's what you're holding on to. So that's what you're going to see. It's the same thing. If you want to change your hair. Absolutely. You see it everywhere. So, um, yeah, definitely a big part of that as well. Sorry. Is the, the dopamine as well. Like dopamine, people think it's the feel good chemical, but it's actually the go and get it chemical. So if you make something hidden, so if I took something away from you when I hid it behind my back, you'd want to know what I was hiding from you yeah. and you, you'd want to seek it out. But if I keep putting it in front of you all the time and just keep giving it to you, giving it to you and just putting this thing in front of you, you'd be like, yeah, enough of ready. I, I 
I'm fine, I don't want any more of that. So it's kind of thing that we do with food, we hide it. Once we hide it, we play like hide and seek with it and we get this dopamine rush to try and find it again. So I think that's quite interesting because I work a lot with um, smokers as well to help them quit smoking. And that's what nicotine does to your brain. It kind of releases this dopamine rush to go and get the next hits to get, get the next one and the next one. But we can do that with food. So it's quite, you've got to be careful not to actually make food off limits. Otherwise you will train your brain to want it more basically. Yeah. And that was definitely my experience with food. And that's why we have a lot of things in the house, not so much anymore, but when I was recovering from this idea that I couldn't eat anything, um, we brought a lot of quote unquote junk food back in the house. And I said, like, you can have it. You can have it anytime you want. And that was such a great technique for myself. And now like I'll eat things like pizza now and then popcorn very rarely because it just doesn't make me feel good. I can choose to eat it. I just choose usually not to because it doesn't make my, you know, it makes my scalp itchy. It makes me grumpy. And then I can make a choice if I want an itchy scalp and a grumpy, grumpy mood for a couple of days. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. It's your choice. And once you're willing to listen to yourself, you'll realize I don't want to feel that way. So it's not that you can't eat it. It's that you don't want to eat it. Exactly. Okay. The spiral technique. What is Yeah. This so I kind of figured this out a little bit about cravings and it ties into a little bit about what I said just now about dopamine and sometimes you have these little cravings that just come and go but sometimes you have this big craving that seems to last like a whole day it's constantly wanting something and it's like this little want monster on your shoulder just searching and searching for this next thing that you want and it could even be checking your phone it could be anything you know and what I found with that was that if I really kind of uh, visualized what that felt like it felt like there was a spiral in my chest going outwards. So I can imagine the spiral going out and out and out and out. And I realized that if I just stop and really close my eyes and imagine that the spiral is turning around the other way and instead it's coming back to me, it has this really funny feeling of coming back to myself. So I stop searching out there and I come back to myself. So the spiral technique is something that you can use to realize you're on the hunt for something. Just turn it around. It's a little bit of NLP, neuro-linguistic programming as well. I think when you're using like a physical feeling in your, in your body that you can change. So yeah, that's something that I figured out really helped me. I've shared it on my Instagram. People have reported that they really liked it. So yeah, if you're feeling like you've got this huge craving that's lasted all day and you can't stop thinking about something out there, your brain has gone out. And just turn it around, turn that spiral back on itself until it comes back to you. And you're once again connected to yourself and that feels so much better. You're blowing my mind right now because when I was experiencing the darkest moments of my uh, experience with an eating disorder, the movement that I used to explain when I was out of control was this. It's very much like a spiral. like, And it was almost like I felt like a plow. Like I just needed this. I kept doing this. And all my therapists were like, I don't know what that means. And I'm like... <laughs> I just, I just need this. Okay. Okay. I'm totally going to try this. That is, yeah. so, I rarely feel like that anymore. I can't even tell you the last time I felt like that, but if it happens again, I'm going to use this technique. <laughs> Good. Yeah. It's not just food mind. I find it with my phone. It's like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Uh, that's, yeah. my next, that's my next thing. <laughs> okay. Amazing. And what do you feel is missing in the keto space right now for women? Well, do you know what? I think because I'm a newbie, a new person to this kind of ketogenic way of eating. 
I haven't really noticed, to be honest with you, much missing. And I think your work that you do, to be honest with you, I think you're striking that balance between your mind and your body. I think that the message that you're really sending out is that you have to look after yourself. And I think that's lovely because in so many books out there and the approach to eating, it's just on the food itself. And that was always my frustration with food was, yeah, I know what to eat. How do I eat it? How do I not have second helpings? How do I not obsess about that all day long? And I think with this podcast that you're doing, you're really trying to get that message out there that, you know, your mind is important. Look after that and the food and you're creating that lovely whole picture. So yeah, I think you're doing great work. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. That's really sweet, Rebecca. And you totally nailed it. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) And where can people find more from you? So you can find me on Instagram. I'm I'm always quite busy on Instagram at eathappy.coach. If you want to check my website out, that's eathappycoach.com. And you can download the Mindset Reset from there as well. Okay, awesome. We'll include all those links and things in the show notes if people are unsure. And thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. Oh, it was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.